Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Sad Podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope you all are continuing to stay safe, continuing to wear your mask, be smart. We are still in the middle of a pandemic, so just continue to, whether whether you're vaccin- vaccinated or not, just continue to wear your mask, socially distance yourselves. I know there are probably a lot of other states around the country who are continuing to open back up still. Be smart, be safe, continue to wear your mask if, if it is required, and so forth and so on. But as we all know, the NBA playoffs have taken place. And as 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 I am, as I'm sure a lot of you are, I am enjoying the NBA playoffs. I love it. But with the NBA, you also know that with the NBA playoffs, there's still news to be talked about as it pertains to the NBA. Which brings me to what has stood out to me in sports this far today. And I want to talk about two specific head coaches that I'm sure all of you have heard heard by now have obviously departed from the organizations that they were originally with. And I want to talk about these coaches right now. Former Washington Wizards head coach Scott Brooks and former New Orleans Pelicans head coach Stan Van Gundy. First, I want to talk about Scott Brooks. As we all know, according to a report from Woj, Scott Brooks and the Washington Wizards mutually agreed to part ways due to not being able to come to an agreement on a new contract. And in my opinion, I believe that it was just a it was probably a matter of time until this happened. But with that being said, I want to read the report to you. This is from Bleacher Report. The Scott Brooks era in Washington is reportedly over. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Brooks and the Wizards are mutually agreed to part ways on Wednesday after failing to come to an agreement on a new contract. The Wizards went 34-38 and during the 2020-2021 regular season, although they did reach the playoffs as the number 8 seed in the Eastern Conference before getting eliminated in the first round in five games by the top-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. The 55-year-old, meaning Scott Brooks, went 183-207 and in his five seasons with the Wizards, leading the team to the postseason three times. Washington has now gone three straight seasons without a winning record. Again, this is under Scott Brooks. And this season was considered a disappointment, giving the star backcourt of Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Now, in my opinion, with the Washington Wizards, Here's what I ultimately believe this will end up having to happen. Excuse me. Here's what I ultimately believe. Here's what I ultimately believe will end up happening as it pertains to Scott Brooks leaving Washington. Here's what I ultimately ultimately believe will end up happening with Scott Brooks getting fired in Washington, or, or excuse me, mutually agreeing to part ways with the Wizards. I believe this will ultimately end up with Russell Westbrook possibly getting traded because Russell Westbrook loved playing Russell Westbrook loved playing for Scott Brooks. Obviously as we all know Russell Westbrook played for Scott Brooks in Oklahoma City when they had Kevin Durant, James Harden and Russell Westbrook and they went to the NBA Finals in 2012. I believe Scott Brooks being Scott Brooks Mutually agreeing to part ways from Washington will eventually will eventually lead to Russell Westbrook getting traded, and also 
I believe Russell Westbrook getting traded will eventually lead to Bradley Bill wanting out because Bradley Bill is not going to want to be in Washington by himself. And also, Bradley Bill being the leading scorer in the NBA for this season, with him constantly dropping 35, 40, 45 points, him carrying that burden along with Russell Westbrook possibly being traded, Bradley Bill is not going to want to be in Washington by himself. So that's what I ultimately believe this will lead to. With Scott Brooks being fired, I believe this will eventually lead to another domino, meaning Russell Westbrook could get traded. And then I ultimately believe Bradley Bill will probably look around him and say, okay, I don't want to be by myself here in Washington. My head coach got fired. My back, my back court mate just just left, just just got traded. I don't want to be here by myself. So I believe what what could ha- what, what is going to happen is Bradley is going to respectfully go to the Wizards front office and say, "I want out. I want to be traded." So that's that's my that's that's my that's my whole thought on that. I believe Russell Westbrook getting traded will eventually lead to Bradley Bill wanting to get traded. That's just that's just my thought on that. And as far as as far as Stan Van Gundy goes with the New Orleans Pelicans, Stan Van Gundy was obviously fired today after one season in New Orleans going thirty one and forty one and not being able to get the Pelicans to the playoffs. Here's my simple thought or just straightforward thought on the New Orleans Pelicans letting Stan Van Gundy go. You're going to have to bring in a head coach that can get the Pelicans to the playoffs. Alvin Gentry was not able to do it. And Stan Van Gundy was now not able to do it. So now Zion's going to be on his third head coach in, in, in a matter of two years. And that's, that's very troubling. Like that, that, that's very, very troubling. And that's not a good thing. That, that's really, really not a good thing. So, with the Pelicans, you're going to have to be able to bring in a head coach that can not only continue to lead Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Zion, and and the other guys on that roster, but you're going to have to bring in a head coach that can get the Pelicans to the playoffs. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you bring in a, if you bring in a third head coach that is not going to be able to get the Pelicans to the playoffs and Get and get them over that hump of finally being a playoff team. Within two or three years, Zion is not going to want to stay. He's just not going to want to stay there. It's just that simple. So the Pelicans have a big time job to do. They need to bring in a guy that can not only lead this young Pelicans basketball team and lead them in the right direction as far as having a winning culture and getting Zion and Lonzo and Brandon Ingram to buy in. But that coach is going to have to get the Pelicans to the playoffs. And if you don't and if you don't make that and if, and if the next head coach that comes there doesn't make that happen, Zion is going to leave down the line. He's going to leave. He he or at least or he's going to at least have strong thoughts and considerations about leaving. So that's my thought on that. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about Kawhi Leonard. As we all know, Kawhi Leonard suffered a knee injury 
in the Game 4 victory over the Utah Jazz. And I want to read this report to you. Report, Clippers Kawhi Leonard out indefinitely with a knee injury. ACL damage feared. Los Angeles Clippers star Kawhi Leonard will reportedly be out indefinitely after suffering a sprained knee, according to Shams, Shams Charania of the Athletic and Stadium. Charania added that Clippers forward Clippers fear Leonard has suffered an ACL injury. ESPN's Brian Windhorst first reported the injury adding that Leonard suffered the injury in L.A.'s Game 4 win. Windhorse added that Leonard told his teammates Tuesday to prepare for him to be out. Now, in my opinion, bottom line is just as simple as this. If Kawhi Leonard does not play the rest of this series, I find it very, very difficult for the Clippers to win this series and beat Utah. I find it very, very difficult for that to happen. If it's just a sprained knee, if Paul George can step his game up and play to the level of his capabilities and he can somehow will the Clippers past Utah, because think about this too, Mike Conley's still out for this series. Mike Conley might not come back for the rest of this series. So this this series for, for the Clippers and the Jazz could simply come down to Donovan Mitchell and Paul George. And can, can either one of these two teams supporting cast, the Clippers or the Jazz, step up and help out Kawhi, help out Paul George and help out Donovan Mitchell? That's what this is going to come down to. It is going to come down to can Paul George's teammates help him out can his supporting cast help him out and can donovan mitchell's supporting cast help him out while mike conley is out that's what this series is going to come down to with the jazz and the clippers and so like i said before Kawhi leonard being out i'm, I'm going to find it very very difficult for the clippers to beat utah but overall this series is going to come down to can paul george and can Paul George or Donovan Mitchell's supporting cast step step up and help these two guys out? Whichever whichever star supporting cast helps helps that helps that star out, that team will win this series between the Clippers and the Jazz. Just that simple. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be another installment of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight series. I'm gonna be high I'm gonna be highlighting the NFC North. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Well, and now welcome to part five of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight Series. Now we're going to move over. We've done, we've done all four divisions in the AFC. Now it's time to move over to the NFC. And, and the first division that I'm going to break down for you guys in the NFC is the NFC North. So let's get started. First off, I want to talk about the Detroit Lions. As we all know, the Detroit Lions have had a very eventful offseason. As we all know, the Detroit Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for quarterback Jared Goff. And as we all know, the Detroit Lions really did not have that much success with Matthew Stafford anyway when Matthew Stafford was in Detroit. They made the playoffs twice in Matthew Stafford's tenure there in Detroit, 
made it to the playoffs, played the Saints in the wild card round in 2000, and if I'm not mistaken, 2010, 2011. Then they made the playoffs a few a few years later after that, played played the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round and lost. So, but bottom line is, it was time for Detroit to do what they had to do with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford had done everything that he could possibly do there in Detroit, and Detroit did match they, uh, the Detroit Lions. Excuse me, they did Matthew Stafford a solid. They was like, okay, you know what, Matthew, you've done everything that you possibly can for us. You've never been a problem with this organization, so we're gonna do you a solid. And they traded him to a very, very good team in the Los Angeles Rams, who are really on the verge of being a very, very good football team, borderline Super Bowl contenders. So, and what did the Ram- and what did the Lions get back? They got back Jared Goff. And what did the and and what did what did the Lions do in the draft? So and so they they said to themselves, okay, we got Jared Goff. Let's protect Jared Goff. They went out and got they went out and got one of the best offensive linemen in the draft in Panay Sewell. And to add to their defensive line, they drafted they drafted Levi Onwuzuriki, one of the best defensive linemen out of Washington. And they added and they and they also added, excuse me, Aleem McNeil, defensive lineman. And to add to their secondary with Jeff Okuda, they added Afiatu Malafani out of Syracuse. So bottom line with the Detroit Lions is and also, let's not forget they hired new. Uh, they hired new. They hired a new head coach in Dan Campbell when they uh, uh, to replace Matt Patricia, who just flat out just failed and just did not work. I thought Matt Patricia was in over his head anyway in Detroit. So the simple question with Matthew Stafford, or, or excuse me, with the Detroit Lions is: bottom line is this: Can Detroit finally head in the right direction? but with a different quarterback. Can Dan Campbell, which I think he's just been an absolute just goofball over the last few press conferences, even his introductory press conference was just weird. It was weird. It was awkward. And I, and, and to be honest, I looked uncomfortable watching it. I looked, well, actually not so much watching it. I looked uncomfortable for him. To be perfectly honest, but anyway, I digress. The bottom line with the Detroit Lions is: Can the Lions just start finally heading in the heading in the right direction? If they can start heading in the right direction with Jared Goff as their as their newly acquired quarterback, then I believe that Detroit will start winning some games, and Detroit will start. I don't want to say start challenging Green Bay for the division, but they'll start being competitive. They'll start being competitive, so that's my thing with the uh, that's my thing with the Detroit Lions. You got Dan Campbell as a new head coach, who was a former interim head coach in Miami, and you got your newly acquired quarterback in Jared Goff. Now that you have your new head coach and your new quarterback, can you start? Can Detroit now start heading in the right direction? That's the question. Next up, I want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. As we all know, the Minnesota Vikings missed the playoffs this past uh, 
this past season. Obviously, as we all know, Kirk Cousins is coming up on the final year of his contract. And so what did the Minnesota Vikings do in free agency? They went out and to add to their young defense, they went out and they went out and signed veteran cornerback Patrick Peterson, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals. And to add to to add to their offseason moves, what did the Vikings do in the draft? They to add to their offensive line, they drafted Virginia Tech offensive lineman Christian Darasaw, and they drafted rookie quarterback Kellen Mond. And they just continued to add to their offensive line and their defense by by drafting by by drafting Chaz Surratt, linebacker out of the University of North Carolina, guard Wyatt Davis out of out of Ohio State, Patrick Patrick Jones, defensive end out of Pitt, Cameron Bynum, cornerback out of California, and defensive end Janarius Robinson, defensive end out of Florida State. Bottom line with with what the Minnesota Vikings is, with the Minnesota Vikings, can the Minnesota Vikings get back to the playoffs? That's the question. Can the Minnesota Vikings get back to the playoffs? And will the and not only that, will will could this be the last season of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? Which will put even even more of an emphasis on Minnesota having to make the playoffs because not only that, if Minnesota doesn't make the playoffs this year, Kirk Cousins could possibly be gone, and Mike Zimmer could possibly be out in Minnesota if Minnesota if Minnesota doesn't make the playoffs. As we all know, they have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson drafted last year, Adam Thielen is coming back again for another year. So the question is with the Minnesota Vikings, with them having as young of a defense as they have, and them adding to that, and them adding more to the offensive line with the Vikings, can Kirk Cousins get Minnesota back to the playoffs again, and can that Vikings defense step up? Can that young Vikings defense step up with the addition of Patrick Peterson? And can that Vikings defense step up and play well enough to the point where they can play enough enough defense average-wise to where the Vikings and that offense and Kirk Cousins don't have to carry the load? That's the question. So I think Minnesota is is in a, I don't want to say a lame duck year, but they're, they're pretty much in a lame duck year with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. The question is, can that Minnesota, can that young Minnesota defense step up? And if and can can Minnesota can Kirk Cousins get to the playoffs and extend his time in Minnesota? And can Mike Zimmer get this team to the playoffs and extend his time possibly in Minnesota? So that's my question. That's my those are my questions on the Minnesota Vikings. Next up. The Chicago Bears, as we all know, the Chicago Bears moved on, moved on from Mitchell Trubisky, and they they, they moved on from the Mitchell Trubisky experiment, and, and 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 even though they made the playoffs last year, Chicago felt like you know what, it's time to move on. So what did the Chicago Bears do this off season? What did they do? They went out, signed signed veteran quarterback Andy Dalton, and. They franchise tagged wide receiver Allen Robinson, but that but that was not all that the that the Chicago Bears did. They went out and they drafted their future franchise quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State, and to add to the offensive line, they went out and they went out and they drafted Oklahoma State left um, Oklahoma State tackle Tevin Jenkins, and to add to that, 
to, to bolster the offensive line even more. They drafted Larry Brown. And to add to their running back, uh, uh, to their running back duo of David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, they they drafted Khalil Herbert. Herbert, excuse me. So with the Chicago Bears, it's just as simple as this. The Chicago Bears have a Super Bowl caliber defense. They have weapons on the offensive side of the football with Cole Komet, who they drafted at tight end out of Notre Dame last year. They have Allen Robinson. They have Donnell Mooney at the slot receiver position. Bottom line is this with the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears had to draft a quarterback. They had to draft their future franchise quarterback. They they could not they they what they could not do, they could not go into the 2021 season with just Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback and and not draft the franchise changing quarterback like they did like they like they eventually did with Justin Fields. Because as we all know, Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace are possibly coaching and GMing for their jobs moving forward. So they had to draft Justin Fields. And the th- and the whole thing with the Bears is, like I said before, they have a Super Bowl caliber defense. They have a defense that for the next two or three years could be very, very good and very, very instrumental in them possibly making a deep, deep playoff run. Now, do I believe the Bears will make the playoffs with Andy Dalton as the quarterback? Probably no. I, to be honest, I don't think so. With Justin Fields, yes, it's very, very possible. So with the Bears, it's just as simple as this. When is Justin Fields going to start? When is Justin Fields going to start? And if Justin Fields starts, can he somehow get the Bears into the playoffs down the line? Is that possible? Because think about it. Honestly, the only way that Justin Fields possibly could get on the field is if Andy Dalton gets hurt or if Andy Dalton plays like hot-ass garbage. Let's just be honest. So, in my opinion, it's just a matter of how quickly can Justin Fields get on the field, and when he gets on the field, how explosive can this Bears offense be, and can this Bears offense be explosive enough to take the enormous amount of pressure that's been on uh, uh, that's been on this Bears defense. Can they take that amount of pressure off this Bears defense with a Khalil Mack and a Robert Quinn and a Roquan Smith enough to where you can have a balanced a balanced enough football team to where to where the to where now you're talking about the Bears as being a legitimate contender contender in the AFC. That's my thought on the Bears, which brings me to the defending NFC North champion Green Bay Packers. I don't need to go over what is what is what is going on with the Green Bay Packers. We all know what's going on with the Packers. We all know Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, or though that's what has been reported. So what did the Green Bay Packers do? To be honest, I really don't even want to go over this draft because what Green Bay pretty much did it pissed off Aaron Rodgers to the point where it's probably pissed a lot of people off. So, what did Green Bay do? They did the complete opposite of what Aaron Rodgers wanted them to do. They went out and drafted another cornerback. Don't know why, but they did it anyway. They went out and drafted Eric Stokes, cornerback out of the University of Georgia. And to add to the offensive line, they went out and 
They they went out and they went out and continued to add to their offensive line. They went out and drafted Josh Myers, center out of um, center out of Ohio State, and they drafted another receiver to go alongside Devontae Adams and to go alongside Marquez Valdez Scantling. And I like Amari Rogers, but like I said before, there's really no need for me to go over this because. Green Bay out really didn't do anything in free agency. So I say all of that to say this, but the NFC North is simply going to come down to whether or not come the preseason, will Aaron Rodgers be in a Green Bay Packers uniform? That's the question. So for right now, this division is so much up in the air that it is that it is not even funny. Bottom line, it's that it's come down to being as simple as this. I have the Packers winning the AFC, winning the NFC North as of now. But if Aaron Rodgers is in a Green Bay Packers uniform, Packers, the uh, the Green Bay Packers win the NFC North. If Aaron Rodgers is not in a Green Bay Packers uniform come the preseason, I got the Chicago Bears winning the NFC North. It's just that simple. But for right now. For right now, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers to win the North as of right now. But that is subject to change. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Obviously, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. As you guys all heard in the last segment, I broke down the NFC North. Which brings me to the year 2009. Why do I bring up the year 2009? Well, that is the year that Brett Favre left the New York Jets and became the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And he teamed up with Adrian Peterson, Sidney Rice, Bernard Berrien, Vasante Shanko. Then on the defensive side of the football, Jared Allen, Brian Roberson, the Williams brothers, Pat and Kevin. Then in the middle of the defense, they had Ben Lieber at linebacker, middle linebacker. And what did Brett Favre do during that 2009 season? What did he do? He had the best season of any 40-year-old quarterback that I have ever seen in my life outside of Tom Brady. But still, 33 touchdown passes, 7 picks. Got the pack, got got. Excuse me, not the Packers. Got the Vikings all the way to the NFC Championship game to take on Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. As we all know, that was a hell of a that was a hell of a title game. By the way, sloppy. It was a very very sloppy game, but it was very it was it was damn good. Didn't know who I really wanted to win that game. I, I was kind of rooting for for the Vikings and I was rooting for the Saints. Wouldn't have been mad if either one of them won, but. With that being said, what if, because as we all know, the Vikings went on to lose that game in overtime on a Garrett Hartley game-winning field goal by the Saints. But what if, let's do a change of history real quick. What if Brett Favre, Adrian Peterson, excuse me, and the Minnesota Vikings have had actually gone on to defeat Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints? In the NFC Championship game, because as we all know, the Vikings and the Saints actually have a have a history of going back and forth in the playoffs with each other. 
They have a history. The Vikings have won the last two meetings in the playoffs, 2018, and just two seasons ago, the Vikings knocked off the Saints in the wild card round. And then, again, like I said before, with the NFC Championship game in 2009, the Saints defeated them then. But what if Brett Favre and that Vikings team had actually defeated the Saints in that 2009 NFC Championship game and had gone on to play Peyton Manning and the Colts in that Super Bowl in Super Bowl 44? How would Brett Favre and that Vikings football team especially offensively, how would they have matched up against that Colts defense? How would that Vikings defense have matched up against Peyton Manning and that Colts offense? Again, that's why this is a what-if scenario. If Brett Favre and that Vikings team makes it to that, makes it to the, makes it to Super Bowl 44 to play the Indianapolis Colts, do, does, does Brett Favre, do Brett Favre and the Vikings win that game? If they win that game, does Brett Favre retire after that instead of instead of coming back for one more year and having his career end on a shoulder injury? Again, you never, ever know. That's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I'm your host, Jared Dawkins. I hope you all continue to be safe, continue to wear your mask, continue to socially distance yourselves. And continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs. I know I will. Thank you for tuning in. I'm out. Peace.